African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, thank you for joining us for a new week of uh, African Dialogue. You're listening to Channel Africa, where you get the African perspective. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue, where we contextualize the big issues of the African continent. And uh, today, there's no other thing to talk about but the African Unit Union Summit, which is still underway. And everyone has been talking about uh, the uh, launch of the historic free trade deal. Uh, there seems to be more ratifications that are taking place. So we'll look at the highlights of the summit and look at the African continental free trade because we know that now Benin and Nigeria have also ratified the agreement. So we'll be speaking about what does that mean for the continent and what processes could we see after this particular uh, summit and how important the summit was because the uh, trade uh, conversation has been overriding the themes and the headlines is the issues around the African continental free trade We've seen uh, new ratifications from Nigeria and Benin have also been involved in terms of the African continental free trade area. Well, what does this mean in terms of uh, this particular operational phase that now African heads of state and governments that have met in Niger over the weekend reported that if successful, it will unite 1.3 billion people and usher in a new era of development. There's still questions around the diversity of offerings that Africa has to offer in terms of uh, products and commodities to trade within the continent. But uh, it's said that in terms of the optimism that this will pave way for free movement of goods, services, investments, and people around the continent. It is hoped that uh, the uh, African continental free trade area, the largest since the creation of the World Trade Organization, will help unlock Africa's long-obstructed potential by boosting intra regional trade, strengthening supply chains, and spreading uh, expertise. Well, to join us uh, from um, uh, Niamey itself, we've got Lisa Lowe-Volgen, who's a senior research consultant with the Institute for Security Studies. I'm not sure if she's there yet. I think we are struggling with that particular line. But in our studio, we have uh, Tinashe Sitole from the Department of Politics and International Relations at the University of Johannesburg. We actually wanted to speak to his lecturer but then he was the lecturer said no no I've got this great student that you should speak to and it will be great to speak to when it comes to the free trade area uh, issues so thank you Tinashe for giving us your time thank you much for having me well let's look at uh, this particular launching of this AFCTA we know that uh, it's been a process that has been taking uh, for a long time right now uh, people are saying this is a breakthrough moment not really because we've seen ratifications yes it has been a very much long going system um, it hasn't been something that's just started at this particular summit just give us a backdrop for people who don't understand the uh, trade area 
agreement so that they understand there's a more uh, comprehensive process historically around this Tinashe? Uh, all right. Um, since the creation of the African Union, um, leaders have wanted to have um, an integrated continent in terms of trade. Mm. Um, since the Kwame Nkrumah, mm. um, Muammar Gaddafi, they had this um, goal and to to be to have Africa mm. become sure. a global force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so in terms of the Abuja Treaty, you understand that they do, they they, they did mm. sort of um, realize that Africa has so much potential, yeah. yet we haven't tapped into this potential. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the Africa Free Trade Agreement, is the realization that in order to have an, an integrated Africa, mm -hmm. uh, we must um, we must at least have mm -hmm. a common market. Sure. Um, and also um, integrate on the on the regional economic communities, so that um, by increasing trade among us ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, there could be economic growth. Mm -hmm. Africa, the in in this instance, is still grappling with issues of um, poverty. Yeah. So they do realize that in order for Africa to grow, mm -hmm. they should be at least a level of integration. Remember, Africa, mm -hmm. it. Um, trade within Africa is about 16%. Sure. Yet Africa, it trades with the with EU about 65%. Sure. So it comes from that realization that Africa has not in itself realized this potential. Hence, um, the continent of free trade agreement has been in the process mm -hmm. because they do realize that in order for Africa to grow, we have a bulging youth. Mm -hmm. um, there is need for this uh, economic integration. Well, it's very interesting that you say that because even when we have kind of similar goods on the African continent, Tinashe, we also have um, a very interesting dynamic because just a friend of mine was in Kenya and brought back uh, a mango from Kenya mm -hmm. and I was fascinated how differently tastes from um, our uh, mango here in South Africa. And that's been maybe one of the biggest critical points around Africa trading amongst itself and people asking the question, does Africa have enough diversified products to trade amongst each other? So that's also very interesting, isn't it? Do we have the capacity? Do we have enough goods to trade amongst one another? Um, it's not so much of us not having the goods, but mm. do there are other people who are quite skeptical because Africa is not so much integrated in terms mm. of uh, infrastructure wise. Mm. Um, there's not so much of interconnectivity with our road infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So that in itself has been a detriment towards the integration of the continent. Yeah. Okay, let me bring in Lisa Lowe-Voldren uh, into this conversation. Uh, Lisa, thank you for giving us yes, your time you. there from Niamey. Okay. Lisa, can you hear me? Lisa, are you there on the line? Yeah, it seems like we're struggling with that particular line there with Lisa. I'm not sure if we're getting a clear line from her there. It's because it is a country-to-country -country line there. We'll see if we can reconnect with her and try one more time. Yeah, you, was, you were talking about the challenges, uh, Tina. So you can continue there. All right. So, yeah, in terms of... Um Africa also, they are heterogeneous uh, economies. You find that mm. within Africa, there's a dominance of Egypt, uh, Nigeria, mm. South Africa. And within 
these countries, um, you find that under other countries' economies are not performing well. Mm. So the challenge is here now is um, in terms of trade liberalization, mm. um, there is a fear that other countries' goods will end up dominating. You find that, for instance, South Africa... Uh, as a culture sector is quite commercialized mm. then you find maybe in uh, countries like Kenya, Malawi you have uh, ag- um, agriculture at a local level, mm. the subsistence part mm. so in terms of these issues now you find that um, there is challenge because mm. trade liberalization is itself it, it has it brings opportunities to for goods to be available mm. but at the same time um, there's a detriment to those lower performing economies mm-hmm. in, ter- in terms of Africa in itself. So, you know, I know that these agreements are becoming very central right now in terms of Africa realizing the potential in itself, just like you highlighted there, uh, Tinashe. But can we, do we have that capacity to overcome some of those obstacles that you highlighted just now, uh, the fact that uh, we don't want one market or one country's market to dominate other markets, and also the fact that we also need to work on connectivity when it comes to uh, our infrastructure, especially when it comes to transporting goods within the continent. I think we do have the capacity, specifically Um, The African Union is a self-assured agency. Mm -hmm. So we have the human capital. The leaders do realize that we do have the potential to actually um, integrate. But it is very important that uh, this project does not end up being an elite project of um, the political elites. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that at the local level, Uh, country levels, people are sensitized to what are the benefits that are going to be brought by um, an Africa free trade agreement in terms of um, um, in South Africa there's full movement of people, Mm -hmm. uh, also availability of goods, but bear in mind that um, if people do not really know what are the benefits Mm -hmm. you have uh, a case in point of the Brexit that Mm -hmm. people ended up voting to to leave Brexit, but yeah. now they didn't really understand what they were voting for. for yeah. So it's very important that we also uh, sensitize our our populations to what are the benefits of this uh, Africa Free Trade uh, Agreement, so that we can co- the project can move on mm-hmm. and not end up ending up being a a, a project of the political elite only. Mm-hmm. So. To, to say we don't have the capacity, I think our we have shown agency, our leaders have shown that agency that shows that we do have the capacity to actually um, integrate and also have this project move, move forward. But this project should also take everyone with it. The population should be sensitized. Remember, this will come in force uh, in 2020, so there's sure. still ample time, time sure. to sort of discuss and talk about the benefits. Threat liberalization, um, of course, there are there are opportunities and challenges, but people should know this thing so mm. that when they see the shock that happens with it, remember, um, if economies integrate, there might be uh, um, over flooding of other products from mm. From, from external countries, which which is why which is one of the issues that Nigeria was sort of not yeah. signing yet, because yes. there's this issue of their local economy being inundated with um, uh, cheap products from other 
other regions. Fantastic. Well, it's 20 minutes past 11, uh, that's Central African time. I'm having a conversation here with Tinashe Asitolo, who is joining us from the Department of Politics and International Relations, and uh, that's uh, in the University of Johannesburg. We're speaking about the importance of the latest development uh, in uh, the African Union Summit, which uh, is taking place in near May in Niger, and uh, seems like the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement has been dominating. I'd like to speak to Tinashe after the break around the fact that Nigeria has been holding back, as he has alluded to, uh, to this particular agreement. How important is Nigeria coming on board in this particular time around? And because we know that it's one of the biggest economies uh, in Africa, we know South Africa also uh, plays a pivotal role. Uh, we know that uh, uh, in 2019, this year, on the 29th of April, uh, 22 countries had already allowed uh, the threshold to be reached in terms of moving things forward when it comes to the African continental free uh, trade area. But I also want to look to some of the points that Tinashe spoke about. How do we make this process a people-centric process, as he was speaking about? How do we make sure that if you are a trader in Abuja, if you're a trader in Johannesburg, that you can actually benefit from this agreement, that it's not just a, a macro-business-focused uh, uh, agenda? We'll look at that after this break. Spotlight Africa, a program that showcases and highlights African countries and issues of the African continent and its people. Coming your way from Channel Africa every Wednesday at 800 hours UCT. With repeats on Wednesday at 2215 hours UCT through DSTV Bouquet 802. Tune in to Spotlight Africa, a program that interrogates issues from an African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the only platform probably now where really Africans are speaking on their own behalf uh, from a continental viewpoint. And uh, thank you for joining us on our various platforms on uh, DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And if you're listening to us uh, on our website internationally, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Let's see if we can get hold of Lisa Lovoldren. Uh, he's a sen- she's a senior research consultant from the Institute of uh, Security Studies. Uh, she's attending uh, the conference in Naime, which is uh, the African Union Summit. Um, Liesl, can you hear me clearly this time around? Yes, Benjamin, I can hear you clearly. Well, it's great to be speaking to you again. I know you always give us the inside mm. information when you are at the African Union uh, gatherings. And this time around, it seems like the free trade agreement seems to be the big talking point. Yes, absolutely. As you said in your introduction, I mean, this is actually an extraordinary summit of the African Union because uh, we've decided to have only one summit, a full assembly summit per year. But there were about 32 heads of state, uh, including some of those who have not yet ratified, like Mohamedou Buhari. Um, You know, people saw yesterday uh, that Nigeria has now signed. It still hasn't ratified, which is interesting because... 
speaking here to ministers and, uh, you know, trade experts are saying that actually the big industrialized economies or, or economies, you know, like Nigeria, South Africa, the powerful countries, will be the ones for now who will benefit uh, enormously from the free trade. And it's really the smaller countries like Niger, where we are at the moment, that, um, you know, are fearful of being swamped by products uh, from the bigger countries and because they are, are basically not industrialized or the economy is not as diversified and sophisticated as, mm. as you said earlier and the infrastructure is not there for the for the actual exports that they will be the one to still have a long way to go before they really can benefit from the um, CFTA. Let's look at uh, this issue of uh, the conservative approach from Nigeria. There are talks around why they're signing and not ratifying, Liesl? Yes. Uh, as you know, I mean, it's been coming quite a long time since March last year when almost all the countries, over 40 of the continent, had signed in Kigali. Uh, Nigeria's business people, trade unions, were uh, saying exactly this, that um, uh, there is an element of also feeling that uh, South African products would uh, then come into the country tariff-free. You know, South Africa has got uh, customs unions, free trade areas with SADC, uh, COMESA. There's a tripartite free trade area that is being negotiated with between South Africa, COMESA, and ETA. It is not like we, you know, this is not the first free trade area mm. that uh, Africa is entering into. But the Nigerians... Um, on the one side, that was the one fear. The other one is also about the rules of origin. Um, mm. I, I didn't hear your full conversation earlier, but of course that's a very sticky point, is that a product would come onto the continent, uh, the Ethiopians would you know, sew on a button, uh, a product would come in from mm. China, and then it's an African product, and it would also flood uh, other economies and be, uh, you know, unfair competition to uh, to Nigeria mm. and others. They also, you know, Morocco is also a big um, uh, threat, I would say, mm. you know, uh, to to countries. But uh, President Buhari uh, asked for studies and uh, lots of consultation and discussions. It's really noted from what we can see, and and has now agreed to sign up. So basically, there are now um, 53, 54 uh, signatories of the Eritrea is outstanding, and then 26 countries with Gabon and Equatorial Guinea uh, ratifying it. They are deposing their um, documents of ratification. Mm-hmm. Um, what what uh, the South Africans are also saying is, look, um, better ratify now and be part of the negotiations because... From 1 July 2020, the trading is actually going to start. So if you are not on board uh, now and you come in later, it's uh, really at your disadvantage. You won't really be able to decision-make. Let me bring that back. Tinashe, what um, Liesl is highlighting, because those are very interesting details that she's bringing into this conversation. The issue of rules of origin, that is a very interesting dynamic that is has been of interest, especially for Nigeria and South Africa, and the issue around customs. Can you elaborate on that particular element and how it kind of impacts this uh, conversation? Because especially the issue of rules of origin, that one complicates the negotiation uh, table. 
Um, in terms of um, the issue of customs and different, um, um, like South Africa is a member of SACU and COMESA, yeah, uh, sure. that has been an issue um, specifically. You find that there is not so much of commitment from um, South Africa uh, when it signs up for um, for SADC and SACO, there's conflict of interest among us, um, different countries um, in terms of um, trading in, 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 in this uh, perspectives. Um, I think it's also this this these issues, these challenges in terms of rules of origin. Like uh, you find that goods from uh, from China, um, India, they have sort of um, sort of uh, um, being a detriment mm. so to speak to sure. the textile and manufacturing sure. in, in the continent yeah, yeah. like in terms of so- South Africa you do have the China city and how has yeah, that yeah. in its essence um, sort of been a detriment to the South African manufacturing manufacturing sector mm. so these are very viable concerns um, in the whole of Africa and other countries that are, are, are not so much of welcoming because of the dominance of mm. um, South Africa or Egypt or Nigeria, etc. Mm. Let me bring that back to you, Lisa, because that's a very interesting point there around, you know, there are very strong regional groupings on the African continent and how that is going to factor into uh, the African continental free trade area. Is that also another a complication that needs to be also ironed out maybe in the next uh, uh, phase of implementations, especially when you're talking about the fact that by next year there has to be proper ratifications so there can be um, good consultations? Lisa? Um, yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, sure, I can hear you now, yes, Lisa. I, I heard you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, basically, um, it is true that, uh, um, it, from what I understand, is these uh, customs unions and free trade areas that already exist will be sort of the building blocks. It's not as if they are going to be scrapped in favor okay. of the concept trade area. So we will be able to, um, as I say, go beyond that uh, the agreements that are already existing. But you must remember there's also uh, agreements that are signed, for example, the EPAs, uh, the European Partnership Agreements between some countries, Europe, and then there's also um, uh, economic zones, you know, that some countries like Senegal have created export zones or import zones. So how do you, if Mauritius has an agreement with a country to uh, produce tariff-free, are you going to let those products also go into the continent as an African product? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, fortunately, uh, you know, there are highly, highly top uh, consultants, and we have the president here of the Africa Exum Bank, for example, that have been engaging. Uh, it's, it's not as if the, the knowledge base and the expertise isn't here, and I think those economists on this issue have been searching it out. Um, it's just that uh, it's complex because mm-hmm. you have such a large number of countries involved. 
Well, I want to just, uh, before we go to a break and before we let you go, Lisa, speak on the fact of other issues that might be political. I know that the issue of Sudan has been uh, one that uh, has been a hot issue on the continent. Did it come into the conversation of the talks there? And I know everyone has been talking about this currency issue, especially with uh, the dynamic way that ECOWAS has been actually forging this issue of the eco-currency. Yes, you know, as an African summit, there's always outside issues because the heads of state aren't here. So there were meetings about Libya, you know, the the bombing of the refugees, which is quite, you know, very devastating for us. There's, there was um, uh, also on South Sudan, a meeting that South Africa convened here on Fridays, on Saturday. And um, the interesting thing is I spoke here to Donald Kabaruka, who is the special representative of the Peace Fund, and he said that the fact that the AU can play such a big role in the mediation in Sudan mm-hmm. is because finally the peace funds uh, that have been long, you know, and coming, they, they now have enough funds for the African Union itself through the financing of member states and not, you know, going with a begging goal to partners can actually launch peace initiatives, which is great, you know, I mean, uh, we we might see in the future then the African Union playing a bigger role simply because there are, there is 120 million dollars uh, which is not enough to send mm. troops but you can at least send a couple of officials sure. uh, to Khartoum and they can mediate so it's very positive uh, and uh, as I say we can expect maybe similar initiatives going forward. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I'm going to let you go because we are struggling with that line, but we've heard you very clearly. I just don't want us to take too much of a chance on that line. That's the voice of Lisa Lowe-Voldren, a senior research consultant, a friend of ours here on Channel Africa, always ready to give us insights on African issues. She's from the Institute of Security Studies. And in studio, I'm hanging out with Tinashe Sitole from the University of Johannesburg's Department of Politics and International Relations. After the break, I'm going to bring in Dr. Jemama La, who is a political analysts to join us on the line as well as we continue uh, the discussions around uh, this uh, African continental free trade area. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back after this. Tune in to Vision 2030 with Ona and Tabila Masugu, the new show revolving around the Sustainable Development Goals and Agenda 2030. Every Tuesday, 10 to 11 a.m. Central African Time. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Channel Africa One. Hashtag Vision 2030. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. It's an exciting time, as you can hear there. We've got new programs that are coming up. So do look out for those new programs that will be introduced in the next couple of days. So exciting times for Channel Africa. But right now, you're listening to African Dialogue. We're from Monday to Thursday. We're probably going to move on to Friday now and uh, broadcast uh, uh, from Monday to Friday at the same time, looking at the big uh, subject matters on the African continent. But today, we're speaking about African heads of states and governments a meeting in Niger uh, speaking about uh, the operational phase of the African continental free trade area as we heard there that there's been two signings but let's be careful they're not ratifications like Nigeria hasn't uh, ratified so signatures by Benin and Nigeria means the 54 countries have now signed onto the African continental free trade area means there's still a long way to go but let's bring Dr. Ajimana Allah into the conversation Dr. Thank you for giving us your time. Uh, 
Dr. Dr. La, are you there with us? Now we're struggling with that line. It's not very clear. I think it's also uh, we're trying to get hold of him outside of this uh, uh, country, which is South Africa. We'll see if we can reconnect with him again. Uh, but let me come to you, Tinashe. Um, you know, this is a very interesting phase that we're in because as was highlighted by... Um, Liesel there that uh, a country like Nigeria hasn't really ratified to sign which shows some form of commitment but there's still a long way to go. Where to from from here? I mean it's a positive that now we have 54 countries on the continent that are saying okay we have confidence in this process. Um, it's very important that uh, at this stage uh, the leaders have actually shown the initiative and the agency in terms of the whole process of having a continental free trade agreement. But where to from here, I think it's very important to also see um, how this pans out in terms of um, the group, like this this agreement, how is it going to help uh, the largest group of informal traders, cross-border sure, traders, sure, sure. because we should understand there are those people that cross-borders Daily, you can mm. look at the Zimbabwe South Africa Bybridge border, is, sure. is one of the busiest borders in the continent. So, what is it? Why, what is it? What is in it for the for mm. those informal traders? And also, bearing in mind, also women, because women form part of this informal trading, sure, and also sure. the youth. Mm. So, those are the issues that we also have to look forward to, and how these leaders are going to also. Um, incorporate um, and, and, and identifying um, the, the challenges that can uh, the challenges that we have in, in terms of having an integrated uh, uh, free trade area remember mm-hmm. also the issue of immigration and a free movement sure. so those are the issues that we, we, we have to look at and how the leaders are who agree mm-hmm. because uh, as, at this stage there's not so much of an agreement because the leaders are still worried of the little issues mm-hmm. like um like like the the speaker mentioned before in terms of um yeah. what Nigeria the, oh, was yeah, the origin of rules exactly yes, yes, yes. so it's very important rules of origin rather yeah all right and also how how do we make sure that okay i think we've got dr jimana la on the line let me see if i can try him one more time with seven minutes left let's see if we can get him into this conversation and get his voice in um dr la are you there Hello, Benjamin. Hi. It's Hi, great. It's, it's great Fun to be speaking to you help. again, Doctor La. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, we're at this particular point, and we've been speaking with various people in this particular hour in our program around, um, you know, the fact that we have 54 countries now that have signed onto the African Continental Free Trade Area. A lot of work that still needs to be done. And uh, Tinashe here in our studio from the University of Johannesburg has been speaking about a real good point. How do we make sure that women are integrated into this process? Informal, the informal trade is incorporated into making this process. Uh, effective for them and also young people in the continent there's a huge deficit in that regard in terms of unemployment that's a big factor so how do we make sure all these uh, issues are incorporated into Hello, this African continental hi, free trade hi, area I'm sure sorry for all those thank you thank you sorry for this pickup sorry thank you cheers
All right. I think uh, we're still struggling there with uh, Dr. La there. But, okay, let's let's wrap it up with you. Uh, we let go of Dr. La. We tried our best to get him into the conversation, but, hey, that's uh, live radio for you there, Tinash, unfortunately. But especially when you're looking at some of those particular factors, what should we make, right? Because we, let's be honest, the informal markets and have not been incorporated into the conversations, very high level, this discussion. How do we make sure that we also make a way for them, all those groups of people that you're talking about? Just that uh, question that I was highlighting there to Dr. La. All right. So as I've mentioned before, it's uh, it's very, we should not uh, be trapped by making this um, a political elite dialogue that ends up at that uh, level. It should be inclusive, of course, of all these different groups by identifying how do we move forward then. So the informal sector is quite important. You look at uh, small, medium enterprises there, they form so much of the job market within the continent. So it's very important to to not let them be, to not leave them behind when you with, with, when you go forward with the continental free trade agreement. So a platform, I suppose this is the first stage in terms of um, the leaders actually coming together, showing agency and understanding that um, in order for us to move forward, uh, to have growth, we should also, we should have this initiative of original integration. But bearing in mind that we sh- this should be a people-centered. Remember I mentioned about how Brexit as it happened people voted they didn't know what they were voting for so people did not so much have um, understanding what were the consequences so it's very important to be to be inclusive of um, um, uh, the locals, different yeah the locals, because you know yeah. that, that's another thing do people in in the market in, yeah. in, in in Johannesburg know what's happening in in the African Union Summit today. Exactly. Not really. So we need to also trickle down that information exactly. down to them. Like I would imagine do I do people actually know what is this continental free trade agreement? What does it entail? So it's very much important. I think moving forward that should be the next step. Every country rather should sort of uh, sensitize their people because once this thing takes takes shape uh, remember trade liberalization they're going to see a flood of other products that's going to mm-hmm. impact on them it's probably going to impact on jobs on the short term mm-hmm. but on the long term it's yeah. probably going to benefit because we see we see the benefits in, in the long term mm-hmm. so it's very important to actually be inclusive come back to that point that I made in my first or second question to you as, as we wrap it up Tinashe was the question I told you about just that mango I had just over the weekend from Kenya tasted awesome just different from the South African um, mango but I was thinking about it over the weekend how you know we should not just have South African mangoes in South Africa I can go to the marketplace and be able to select one mango from South Africa one mango from Kenya and it should be a compliment I should have a, a, a fruit basket case that has options of a continental mango flavor yeah, for instance and I think we should start thinking that broadly I know it's a simple example but I know sometimes we become very isolationist when we think of trade but we can start thinking that way especially from um, a low level viewpoint if this is going to trickle down to me and you yeah, those are the actually the benefits of of having choice. Sure, right, that sure. you have variety of choice and also competition in the market, bringing yeah. prices down, yeah. etc. So fantastic! Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Tinashe, for giving us your time. And uh, s- apologies to our listeners. We'll see if we can go get Dr. Jimana 
blood to speak in our other programs coming up and we'll start to see if we can get his commentary in that regard and maybe get him to to speak to us on Africa Midday, maybe in our, our second hour, because I think his viewpoints on uh, the developments of this uh, African uh, continental free trade area agreement is very going to be important as well to get the political dynamics behind it. 